Hello, and welcome back to the Game Vet Match podcast. I'm your host, uh, Manny Friedman, along with my uh, co-host. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll go get Brad Sloan. I guess I'll start. I guess I'm the first okay. guy. We, we, have a, we have a guest today. So, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. We got a special guest uh, who is uh, the voice of the MP9 podcast. Uh, we've been waiting to have him on. Uh, He's also Dave- a father of two uh, of two children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a man of many titles. Yes. Thank yes. you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, it's Dave Berger from the... Match point number nine, a tennis best podcast. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate uh, you guys also having a, a tennis betting podcast and growing the community, growing the space. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about tennis in the year 2024. Yes. And yeah. if uh, we're fans like, of our pod, um, haven't checked out Dave's pod, um, by all means, he's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Uh, he's definitely the better ed- bed- better editor than us. Uh, we're more like an unfiltered long form pod. But uh, uh, if you want like 50 minutes of just pure tennis talk, um, MP9 is the place to go. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, the edit, um, it is a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> it is labor. Is the labor being stressed or the love they're being stressed? I was trying to think, like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not that much work. No, I mean, it is a little bit of work. There, I mean, because there, I've there's other people that swear by these other apps of, like, I don't know. It's, you can identify the ums and stuff and immediately cut those out. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not that tech savvy, so I just trust myself and my own editing skills. Well, we're starting on Spotify, and uh, thanks to your your ad that you do with Spotify for podcasters, uh, that's, that's what gave me the idea, so... <laughs> Well, uh, welcome aboard. I, I wish that they offered some sort of like, uh, kind of like a betting site. Like I could give you a link. I know. <laughs> All right. So I think we're ready, we ready to jump into tennis. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I've got a preseason line that I think is fun to, to kick us off. Um, Novak Djokovic on Bovada is 50 to one to win all four slams this year. Plus the Olympics. Now, generally speaking, if you, you know, if you go on to almost basically any of the slams, right, you, Djokovic is usually even money or so to win the event. Right now I'm seeing him around even money to win Australian Open. We're between like even to plus 110, plus 115, depending on where you're looking. Um, So if you just take that math and do that out, you know, 50% to the fifth power, that's one out of 32. Um, So like theoretical math tells me it's not a, it's not a bad price. I won't be taking it. That it seems just that that's a really hard thing to do, especially with the Olympics and U.S. Open being close to each other. I'd also be afraid of the pressure closing in on Novak if he actually gets three, you know, three or four fifths of the way there. Plus, the Olympics is a tournament. He's it's the only thing he's never won, and so I think there's a lot of pressure there. But um, I did think it was worth a discussion. So, any, any your your guys' thoughts on that? I I honestly don't think it's worth a discussion. I, I would need a, at least a hundred to one there, maybe se- seventy five to one. I would need. Um... Probably actually in the middle of 75 to 1 to 100 to 1, because I just think, first of all, I think the French is actually quite challenging for him to win. Like, you know, um, I felt feel like the fact that Alcaraz was a favorite there and he was having that pressure there kind of helped Novak win that event. Um, And I also think, you know, no Nadal there last year, I, I know, you know, 
we don't know the state of his injury, but like if he is healthy, you know, we always have to factor him in there. And I feel that Wimbledon, the Olympics and the U S open are just too close together to win all three. Um, and keep in mind that the, I know John brought this up on your pod that like the Olympics are on clay. So the fact that you have to transition from clay to grass, to clay, to hard, that's very difficult. Um, so, and like father time is undefeated. He's 38 now. I, I just think it's a, it's a really, really tough ask, especially I mean, rise of center. Yeah. I think about just two years ago when he was in maybe the best form of his entire career on the precipice of winning all four slams. And he just straight up choked it uh, against Medvedev. But even now, I, don't even, I, I actually would disagree with the idea that he straight up choked it. Cause I felt like that whole tournament, you could feel the pressure, like the walls closing in. And then he finally got like Zverev took him to five. Like the whole tournament, he didn't really play that well. He could, I felt like you could feel it coming in the whole way, like like closing in the whole time. And then finally, by the final year point, David, he just like cracked. He just like fell apart. Like that was it. But you could, I mean, you could see the walls closing in. And I think that's that's why I, I wouldn't take it. But I did think it was an interesting discussion. No, I, I the only thing I would say too, John, to I mean, and we could have a talk about the actual odds. I mean, two weeks ago, the Buffalo Bills were fifty to one to win the Super Bowl, right? Like now they won two games in a row. That's gone. They're like in the teens to win the Super Bowl. So I, it's like, I just, for an outright, a long-term outright, I don't think it's a great price. I, I, I kind of agree with Manny that you need it like a, at least a triple digit. Cause to, I mean, all five in the, the, yeah. put those all, all five of those feathers in the cap. It's, it's going to be, <laughs> I think, I think the actual odds of that are much higher than 50 to one. If if it was all four slams without the Olympics, I would take it. But the fact that you're adding the Olympics in there, that makes it so uh, so much greater because also that's two out of three sets where he hasn't been historically as dominant. Well, there's just more variance, right? Uh, and best of three, more variance, there's just more variance in right. general. With the surface transition, with the traveling, it's just it, it's so much. Different. Yeah, we're we're all in agreement here. I guess you guys are harder on the no than I am, but you, but we're all in agreement here. 51. Well, for the sake of the yes, though, I mean, if you get over the first hurdle of the Australian Open, you do start to kind of think like, how could I maybe hedge out of this a little bit? I mean, because you're obviously probably not putting a lot of staking into it, so you have some time uh, before you know if he takes down the Australian Open. You already got one down. Then you can you have some some wiggle room come the French Open to to figure out how to at least get your money back. True, that's true. That's true. true. Very true. Um, one line I wanted to talk about was um, Medvedev, or to reach one plus Grand Slam finals, Medvedev is minus one seventy, Sinner is minus one twenty, Nadal is even money. Holger Rune is plus one seventy five, and Sissy Pass is plus two twenty five. Does any do any of those entice you, Manny? Can you share screen quickly? Just so it's easier to sure. see them all rather than remember yeah, what you said. Absolutely. Plus, I'm gonna have to look at your ugly face. All right, there we go. I don't know why Medvedev is almost a $2 favorite to reach a slam final. That's, I mean, realistically, he has what? Only two slams he can make. The, like, he's not going to make the Wimbledon final. He's not going to make the Roland Garros final. He did win Rome. 
I mean, Medvedev did yeah. win Rome. I don't, I don't think you can say outright that he won't. I agree with you. It's it's unlikely. I'd put it maybe I don't know ten to one or something. But I don't I mean, think it's like a really favorable draw. I think it's it's more like twenty to one for him. To but wouldn't you say is he had a favorite? I mean, he did have a prolonged clay season for him leading into Roland Garros, but he did lose first round. I'm not saying he's a favorite to win Roland Garros. I'm just, you know, like, I'm just saying he's been, he did better on clay last year than he has in a while. I think it's, it's, you know, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's a top five player in the world, even on the surface, but you know, he did, he, he does at least seem like he now wants, he's like willing to try to play on clay. Whereas in the past, he seemed like completely disinterested. Um, but I, I still agree with you. I think that minus 170 is insane. I think that Dallin, even money's insane. Like, agree. Like, like he's got to, like, do we see how many times even apply? Like we have no idea what Nadal's gonna look like. So so throw him out. The, the well, only- I, I I actually I kind of disagree because I if he is like playing in healthy, like it's a good shot of making the Roland Garros final. But you could probably get better odds at that point, and you don't want to have this. Yeah. Like he could also suck this entire way and you get better odds. But if it's he also, is he's got up to and healthy, Djokovic or Alcaraz. Like, do you think he's a favorite against either Djokovic or Alcaraz? But this is just to reach the Slam final, right? Well, like, he's, he's, those two guys will be top two in the world, so you have to beat one of those two theoretically to make the final, right? That's fair. That yeah, I, I hear, I hear you. Yeah, okay, continue. Yeah, go, go ahead. I actually think center is a really tough matchup for him at this point as well. If he has to play him as well, just because of the ball striking and the constant pressure he's going to be under. So I don't understand why you're play, paying juice for something that's literally never happened with Yannick Center to make a slam final. So I don't know. Don't you think he's been like, quote unquote, paying his dues and like. It's just been trending in the right direction with his team and like what he's doing and how professional he's taking it. Like, don't you don't you think. I, I don't disagree, but you think about just think about this I know, and this future market uh, to Avery Zimmerman's point on our podcast, you're trying to, you know, guess predictive versus basing this off past performance. But that said, Casper Ruud has made three slam finals. He's plus 270. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But the the draws that he's had in those three slams were a reason why he's made it. You know, it's not like he played anyone that great. I know he made those three finals, but. I, I think Zverev. I think Zverev plus three hundred to make a Slam final. I I hate Zverev. Yeah. I hate betting on him. I only bet on, I bet on him like three times in twenty twenty three. But it's the most enticing one to me too. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't back Sinner. So interesting thing about Sinner. I was looking at this. So Sinner, in terms of like on, on hard courts, between on like points one, his points one percentage was actually better in the first half of the year than the second half of the year. What changed is that he somehow went 10 and 2 in the third set of 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 matches in the second half of 2023. Like I don't know, I I, I you know, and then on top of that you have the physicality issues with Sinner. So I don't I I can't pay minus juice putting those two things together for Sinner to make a final. Um so that's my thought there. I agree with you 100% on on Vera. What, what odds would you need? What what odds would you need to to hit that? I mean, probably at least plus 150 to, I mean, like I, when it comes to center in like long tournaments, best of fives, I really discount his odds because of the physicality. We saw it against Verif at the U S open. Like if he runs into one tough match, he's in real trouble. Okay. So you're still going on that narrative. So you're, 
you think there's so, some I did, so I have two narratives, right? My first narrative would be that he didn't really get that much better. He just won some close matches, right? And then the second would be that you still have the physicality issues. So yeah, he's got. I mean, there's a lot. Percentage to... points won on serve higher though in those in that stretch. It was close. It was like within one really? percent. It's really yeah. He's really not yeah. Like I also think that there's some regression with Alcaraz. That's due. I, I, that's an interesting uh, perspective. I, I don't think that there's necessarily regression. I just think that he kind of is who he is. I think he could ascend. Um, and I think even when, I, I mean, I just think Alcaraz is one of the best player, if not the best player on tour, less Djokovic, but he, I mean, he is beatable. I mean, he he yeah. gives, like he lost to Fabian Marichon this year. He lost to like really random guys, and he yeah. I mean he pretty much tossed away like his post U.S. Open season. So I did. Well, I just it just seemed like he was completely done after Wimbledon. To be honest, like yeah, I would I would go back before he I wouldn't go to because post Wimbledon he didn't look good in the whole month of August. He had plenty of close matches. Like didn't Max Purcell take a set off him? Yeah, in like like yep. injured Max Purcell in like in one I mean, of the that epic match with uh, Djokovic in Cincinnati kind of erased all the the kind of subpar performances he had prior to that, you know. But that's one performance. I mean, I guess that's the issue with Alcaraz, though, right? Is like, yeah, yeah, you have those amazing matches, those amazing performances, but then like the consistency, the consistency match to match, day to day. You know, he's not on games I mean, with and, and Alcaraz. That said, he still is the second best player in the world. Like, I, I still have a hard time. No, yeah, no. His top end is yeah, one or two, but I, it's just you know, he's very um, he's not tough to predict because he's always usually pretty good. And he came out in twenty twenty three and dominated for the first. I mean, through Wimbledon, which he won, really. Um, I, he he probably if his mind didn't undercut his body in the French Open match against Djokovic. He probably wins that match too. Um, I don't know. He's, yeah. It's just, he's another one of these though, like like him and his team have a plan for the season, right? So he's not a guy that's going out there and which I guess maybe it's just like the end of the year. You're kind of like whatever on him. But you know how like Novak between the Australian Open and French Open, he that's kind of like the time to like pick pick off Novak. Oh yeah, little, like oh, clay, yeah. Sit, yep. clay, clay season. Like yep. I I feel like Alcaraz is post U.S. Open. He has that area now, like two years in a row, where he just is like kind of done and he's easily beatable. Well, he said he's just kind of a different player than a lot of these guys because he's got a, a different agenda out there on tour. Yeah. I think you're right. You're right. I think I I I think I'll, I would back that take. But he said that he's had to get stronger at that part of the part of the season. And plus, I think his obsession with quote unquote catching Novak and like beating Novak is kind of hurting him in other areas. Like he's geared his game so much towards beating Novak that I feel like he's forgot how to play the rest of the tour. You know? No, I, I I don't disagree with that. Uh, I, well, I just I I feel like I, some of I the unforced errors at... too that we thought were gone are now we're, we're we're creeping back. I mean, when I look at these lines, like to reach four Grand Slam finals, Alcaraz at plus six hundred, like I think it's laughable. Oh, that's laughable. Like, 
Grand Slam wins for Alcaraz, like zero plus 350. Like I'm thinking of hitting that, to be honest. That's that's a really good number. I I also think injuries are in play with Alcaraz, just the way he plays and and all that. I'm 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 not hoping he gets injured, but like if you're hitting that line and he does get injured for a good part of the year, like you're looking good with that plus 350 in your back pocket. He's an overhead from not winning one this year, right? I missed overhead. Yeah. You could. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think that's a terrible line either. The Alcaraz to win zero cents at plus three fifty. Like, I'm not sure what the. I, I can't do the math like right off the top of my head, but it's it's somewhere between like a third and a, a quarter. Like they like on average, he's got to have like a thirty percent chance of winning every slam for that to be a bad bet. You know, somewhere between twenty five and thirty percent chance of winning each slam. Like, what is like what what slam is he like? Like, what slam is he a favorite against Novak at? I mean, what's his best slam? Let's start there. Is it Wimbledon? Probably the French. And he's maybe a favorite there versus Novak. But then I, I if Nadal's there, if Nadal's healthy, then that's just yeah. that hurts that. I, I would argue the US Open, to be honest. It's his best slam. Yeah. I, I think that he's his best service is like medium, slow, hard. You're probably right. Like Indian Wells, he he dominated, and that's, yeah. that's slow hard. Um, but he, I mean, he did not get through the U S open that he won in 2022 easily. That was five setter after five setter after five setter. Like I, I didn't know, but particularly well in that event, I just thought like he, but if he plays well, he blows the field, you know, like he didn't play well and he was just so much more of a beast, like physical and mental. He doesn't blow Novak if he plays well. I mean, Novak yeah. is there with him. Right. But I, I just think no zero is, is a good number. Like what? There have only been like two or three slams where I could say that Alcaraz played amazing in. I still don't think I'd take it. Just like the problem to your to I'll go back to what David said before. His top end is so high that you you've got to think he hits or there's a decent chance he hits the top end in one slam. I like, I mean I think I I I would assume he wins a slam this year, um, but that's you know when you hit when you assume. I but I mean but the odds at plus three fifty I think are pretty good considering he's usually juiced to the high heavens, right? Yeah, right. But like, what does he to win the Aussie? I think like I think the Aussie is like two fifty or something. That's, that's I ridiculous. Him, that's ridiculous. He should be plus three hundred or more. Yeah, he he might lose. He might he might not even make it to the quarterfinals. Ooh. I mean, are we that down on him right now? Like, is like like I mean, I know he had a bad run post U.S. Open, but like. I mean, why are we that down on him? Just because he hasn't, we haven't seen him play it in, in two years because he didn't play it last year. Like, we think it's too fast of a well, it's, it's fast. I don't. I think he struggles on fast, fast, uh, hard. To be honest, um, I also think he needs improvement on the serve a little bit, like getting some more free points. Like Djokovic, and even I felt like Sinner. Maybe the stats don't back it up, but felt like he got way more free points like towards the end of the year. And like Alcaraz wasn't getting any of that, so I I don't know. I'm slightly down on him. I I like the zero. I mean, I think he wins a slam, but at that price, I I think it's a good price. But I I don't know that I would actually bet it. I think that it's just like the top end is so high, and I just think okay. I, another one I wanted to talk about. There's two more I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of slams here. So that the next one is Sinner. 
Um, I think I saw you said two plus two fifty to win at least one slam. We talked about why I don't like that uh, in the final segment, Manny. But you, you, do you like that or not? Plus two fifty to win one slam. I know you're you're big on center this year. Um, they, um, I like this one at th- plus three hundred because, like, I don't think he wins more than one. Okay. Uh, I don't. So I would rather take that than for him to win one plus at plus two fifty. What, what about you, Dave? We we talked center and Dave's moving. I think I'll I'll keep it moving and go to the last one I like. And this is this is one that I'm actually thinking of hitting. This is kind of a Brad special. Uh, to Shelton to make three Slam finals is five hundred to one. He made two semis last year. Like just just based on pure upside, you got you like you know how how little he's played tennis right compared to these other guys. Like, I know it's ridiculous, but you're getting 500 to 1. Like, it's probably throwing your money out. But, I mean, if he makes, you know, like, you can hedge out. I mean, there's a lot you can do if he makes a semi. If he makes a final of Australian, you can hedge out of it. Heck, if he makes a semi or a quarter of the Australian, you can start to hedge out. It's 500 to 1. Like, I just, I, I man, for a guy with that much upside, like, he could have gotten, like, he's allowed to improve at tennis, right? And he's had such little experience. He's still young. The, the 500 only- to 1 seems pretty good there to me. But it's kind I, of a joke. I, I am in the uh, Shelton camp. I do think he's going to have a pretty good year. The okay. only thing I would say is he is only eligible to make three of four fi- four slam finals. <laughs> like, he's not going to make the French Open final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the problem. That is that is the real – that that is the killer, unfortunately, in, in this line, right? I rather, honestly, I would rather take Rublev at 500 to 1 because at least he, he plays the French or like – Yeah, but, but Rublev's not making the Wimbledon final. Eh, no, but I don't know. It's I, I would rather take that price. Um. I see him. I see okay. Shelton and team. I see team with the same price as Shelton for that. Sure, that's and like that, that's that's, that's wild. That is, yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Like maybe five I, years I, ago, team could make three finals, and I don't even know then because he's never good on grass. That's just like a name to like for someone to. That's like right. <laughs> definition of clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough of the Brad specials, <laughs> but I think it, since we were talking about Shelton, let's uh, transition to top American. Because I think that's a very interesting uh, group of guys there. Um, I agree. I think this is a really good market. It is a really good market. Uh, Where is it? Because I think once you get to Amanda, there's some guys who are on this board that we can just throw out, right? Like, can we throw out everyone except the top five guys on that board? Like, there's guys taking up like a solid 10 to 20%. That you can just throw out, like Cressy, Mo, Yaron, Nakashima. My, my, I mean, Mickelson's young, but he's way too way too far away. McDonald, Wolf, Eubanks, like none of those guys are getting to the top twenty, right? If, if any of those guys were a hundred to one, I still wouldn't take it. Yeah, right. So right. it's basically a five man race here: Foe, Corda, yep. Paul, Shelton, and Fritz, and yep. they're all pretty good plus money. And no, I, I I agree. I I I think Fritz at plus two twenty five is a pretty good price to be like. I, I think, I actually think, <laughs> yeah. I, I I like the top end. And I like the bottom end. The middle guys, I'm not so sure. So I actually agree uh, with you, David. So I I like Manny. And I talked about this on our pod, on our preseason pod uh, a week ago, and we talked about this middle of the year. Like, 
I'm I'm high on Fritz in terms of ranking because he's like the ultimate vulture guy. He's like a vulture. Like he just vultures those American tournaments. You got Dallas, Delray Beach. He may or may not play Houston because it's clay. You got Atlanta. You got like, I mean, you've got at least five or six tournaments there that he's just going to show up in vulture and they're not strong fields. And that's like, that's, you know, he, he could easily get 1500 points on those crappy American hardcore tournaments that like nobody cares about except him. And like, you need probably 3,000 to 3,500 points total to win this. Like that's yeah, I, yeah, I have a hard I, like just no, based plus, on that. Plus I like, like, Fritz I don't just, think he's a tennis player, but for Fritz, man, just given what you're looking for, I think this is good. Plus Fritz, just to like if he has any sort of bounce back in the slams. I mean, you know, he's been so poor in the slams. That's kind of been what's keeping him from really rising up. But if he has like a you know a good U.S. Open, a good Australian Open. Heck, even a good, I mean, he was on the precipice of making, what, the quarters against? Uh, he made quarters of the U.S. Open, lost to Djokovic. No, and quarters of uh, Wimbledon, right, against Nadal? Or was that to? Was that, that was, was 22. He lost in the third, second round to, I think, Michael Yemer, his last match. Yeah. So he's got, I mean, fr- the French Open, obviously, I would toss out with him, but three or four slams, I think he could do something at. So the counterpoint I would make to that, David, is I looked I looked at this over like middle of the season or middle near the end of the season. I know Manny and I had this debate on Fritz. His last two years outside of America, I think he's like 500 or something. Like he really struggles when he and it's kind of, and it feels like it's been his whole career. Like what has he done in his career outside of like one event in Tokyo, not in America? Like mm-hmm. you really need him to take as many points in America as possible. Now, granted, there's a lot of points out there. I mentioned the crappy tournaments. We've also got Indian Wells, which he won two years ago. You got Miami. You got U.S. Open. You got Cincinnati. I think especially Indian Wells plays really well for him. Oh, um, yeah. He won it, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I still think there's a path there, but I, I do think the negative end would be that he really does not do much outside of America. I, I think he's due for kind of a bad year. I don't know. I, I don't like where his game is heading. And I think he's so one-dimensional that guys have figured out figured out how to play him. And like, I'll take the opposite in that man. I'll say like maybe guys in the top ten, yes, but he still does fine at beating up like lower rank guys. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. I I don't I don't see much po- improvement in his game in the last like year or last six months. Like I feel like he's been the same player now for the last two years, and it's kind of peaking out. And I think when you in in ATP tennis, if you stay the same, you're falling falling backwards. And my my problem with Fritz is he just settles into rallies way too much. Like he, he can return. He's a pretty good returner, kind of an underrated returner, actually, because he can be in prolonged rallies and he could win some of them. But a lot of times he doesn't. And that's he'll he'll literally just like hit back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like he does he's not very tactical. Yeah, well, I also like, think the problem like is too, I think, but I think that, in. that like I think he's just a very stiff athlete. That's like, fair. He's just, like he just, he's just very like he, he looks like Robo Man, like running to the <laughs> ball, like. And I think that's a problem too. Like I don't think he knows what like he does. I don't think it's like like some of it's tax, but I don't, I don't know if he can. Like I don't know if he's athletic enough to switch it up. And he's terrible at the net. Like whenever he goes to the net, he just looks lost. Like I, I don't know. I I like Shelton here at plus three fifty, and. Certainly someone that like I, I 
if it was like plus if it was like the Corda or Tiafo price, I would be all in on Shelton for sure. Because he also like is someone who I think aside from what he does on the court, it seems like his team quite understands the the point system and the ranking system. I mean, you, you look back on his yeah. <laughs> his year, uh, you know, he is where he is based off slams and he was pretty poor in other spots in the calendar. So they're, they're, oh, he they're... was a lot better. He was a lot better the second half of the year. Well, hardcore points one percentage went up by like, and granted, he was it was because he was so bad in the first half of the year. But like, he did get to like thirty five percent return points one percentage the second half of the year. That's not terrible given where he was the first half. They were just like under thirty. I mean, he's clutch. He's a clutch athlete, and that's going to take you pretty far on this tour because. A lot of these guys are not clutch. Not but if he clutch. can be even an average winner and an average rallier, he has the big game and the clutch, like the, the clutch piece. Like if he's even an average returner, average rallier, I think he wins this. But we were saying at the end of 2022 that Tiafo was clutch, right? Because he was winning every single tiebreak. Remember in that US Open run, like to the semi? Uh, I've never thought of him as clutch. Okay, but that's a- so tough because it's like the the problem with Tiafo is like his energy level is so variable, man. Like he, he is, can just but, show up. But my point with no Shelton is that is he was winning every tiebreak in the later part of the year, right? So if that doesn't happen, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, but he was also he also got that return points. That's why I brought the return points one, Manny. He got that up from like 35 percent, which is. Pretty close to average. Whereas the first half there, he was under 30, which is like down in like the Isner range. Well, so like, to, I do think he's actually a better, he actually did get better at tennis also. Okay. But to your point, Brad, about Fritz being not athletic. I mean, Shelton is a, a much better athlete than Fritz. And no that's going to take him a, first off, I mean, his, his athleticism for his first year on clay was pretty evident. Like I only see him improving on that surface. There's, it wouldn't shock me if Ben Sheldon has a better clay season than Taylor Fritz. Oh, it wouldn't at all for me either. Because like the other thing is you have to remember with Sheldon is how I talked about it five minutes ago, but how inexperienced he is at tennis. Like he didn't pick up the sport as a junior the way these other guys did. You know, what was it? Two or three years ago, he's the number six player at the University of Florida. Like the curve has been like this. Right. I mean, you know, so and, and like, why would like, why would it stop? Why can't he improve if he's dedicated? I agree. I I wish it was plus four hundred because I would hammer it, but plus three fifty is right on the precipice where it's 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 probably the right set line. I think I'm going to hit the top two here. I think it's either Fritz or Shelton. I mean, Shelton has the highest upside, and Fritz has the floor. I just like it's it's hard to see Paul. I don't really. I think this is probably a two man race. The more I think about it, because like Corda, Corda's always fun, but like he's just like man. You and I have talked about him endlessly. He yeah. always disappoints. He does. So uh, I I agree, but Corda has the natural talent and ability to be the top american he does he he, he and and the price is five to one that's the only that's the only thing about the quarter uh, the quarter price like if portis Corda had a great start to last year if he doesn't get hurt and completely completely fall off the map like if he has any sort of positive regression he's right in the mix but he is i mean tommy paul i would toss out he's an, i love tommy paul he's a great player on this tour top 15 player he just is mentally like yeah, yeah. yep. 
Oh, it's amazing when you see Tommy Paul on a big point. Well, the the fascinating with Tommy Paul is that on a big point, he forgets how to move his feet. He's one of the most athletic players on the tour for the entire match. And then it gets to like match point or like, you know, the the key points of the match and he can't move. He moves worse than Fritz. He's he's taken years off my life just betting his matches this year. I mean, Corda's more or less the same in in terms of that, but Corda, I think, has a little bit. I mean, he's like a bigger dude. Like he can hit. Like it's just. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there's I, there's fitness issues with him too. It's not like he gets hurt. There's fitness issues. I, I just think he's going to be, I, I feel like he's going to be that guy where you're going to be sitting there thinking like he's got this talent and he's always going to be like who he is, which is like, he like, he pops for matches. He pops for tournaments. And then he goes away for eight. Or to serve also. And forehand I've said on multiple occasions, I think our liabilities and, and yeah. he really improves that aspect. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't see him being in the top 10. I don't know. Because, like, okay, realistic, to win this bet, to be the top-ranked American, you basically have to be at the edge of the top 10, right? Yeah. Right? Like, you have to be between, like, 8 and 9. So, basically, who can get there? Fritz has done it in the past, and Shelton. That's why, answer, but that's why answers. to me, Fritz is the, the number one guy here is because he's done it in the past. Like, I don't, I think he's due for regression. That's just me. I would make the argument for Tiafo because he left a lot of points on the table with loot. Bad, I mean, he what lost to Warinka in like round two of Cincinnati. He had a bad end of the Wimbledon, year. Bad Wimbledon. Yeah, but can, I'm going to turn around and say, can Tiafo play a whole good year? That's, That's the his, his his energy level is just like it's so up and down. Like it's not like he lost a since in Cincinnati in those in those mat, in those tournaments at the end of the year because he got like unlucky or something. Like he lost to Raonic and looked terrible. Like he looked like he could barely play tennis. Yeah. So one thing with Tiafo is he just hired a new coach. So sometimes, right, yeah. especially in the NFL, right? Like when when a team just fires their coach and get a new coach, usually back them in that spot because they have that kind of boost, right? I don't know if we can say that with Tiafo. Like, this is a full year, though, right? Move. Like, I don't know, man. That's like that's true. But I might actually back him in one of those Australian tournaments, you know, warm up tournaments, or back him to do pretty well because of that that aspect. I'll be interested to see what the coaching change does for Tiafo because I do think uh, Wayne Frere was. Um, how should I put this? Um, he he was. Uh, I don't think gelled with with Tiafo all the time. I think there was a bit of a back and forth in that relationship. So if he got more of a cheerleader here, maybe that is good for him. Maybe it's bad for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be bad. That's true. Because then he needs some guy that's kind of like X's and O's and like gets him to grind on every point and not just clown that kind of thing. No, but I think that's the problem. He needs somebody who's going to motivate him. To, to have the energy and who's going to work with him to have the energy for every match. That's the, in yeah, my mind, I, he's I, motivated I, when he has a big crowd in front of him, but if he's playing like on court seven, you know, with two people in the stands, like he just doesn't gotta have those girls in the stands, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just get the feeling that like Wayne was like someone who expected Tiafo to like do the work <laughs> and not that Tiafo doesn't do the work, but do the work in the way that like Wayne did like 20 yeah. years ago or 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and that just was never going to happen. So yeah. it'll be interesting 
interesting to see what uh, the, the coaching team. So I'm going to sprinkle on the Shelton plus 350. Brad, you're hitting the Fritz and the Shelton. Yeah. And Dave, are you are you uh, sprinkling anything here? I well, on the I I talked about the the Corda and the Tiafo. I like the longer shots here. Okay. And uh, yeah, just at the prices for me. Okay. I think it's a it's a great market though because you right. have again like we talked about before we have you have literally like what is that like thirty percent or forty percent of the market going you just complete clowns who have zero chance. Yep. Yep. What about the top Brit? I don't think it's on Bovada. Um. I mean, we we can talk it out for sure. I think it's an interesting one. I mean, it is. The, the names would be what Nori, Draper, Draper and Evans. Evans would be the three to talk about because Mur- Murray you can just throw out. We talk about our preseason pod, Manny Murray. Oh, it's actually it is on it is on Bovada. It's a player. It's a it's a it's one of the specials. Mm. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's not a, it's not a slam special. It's another special. They have like players. They have like suggest or provided specials or something. Oh uh, yeah, and the. The They're, players to finish in this order, I think, is the, yeah. how it's phrased. Yeah. It's not slam. Yeah, go back and it's... Uh... I want to see a full year of healthy Jack Draper, man. Like, the guy is really good. I, I, I think he's one of the better players on the tour. If But, I mean, he, he barely... He I mean, was... he's he's also one of the worst in terms of fitness. He yeah, was well, that's... roasting Demonor in that match that he lost to him. What was that Tokyo? I mean, his uh, body completely failed him in true Jack Draper style. Yeah. But he he was dominating well, that match. There it is. Nori top fifteen, Draper top twenty, yeah. Murray top thirty. Well, Murray top thirty makes it like you can't hit that. Um, I guess they. I guess maybe they pulled it down. But yeah. um, but yeah, I I think I don't know, man. It's it's tough because like. So so does Dan Evans have a shot to be the top Brit? Like, what time would you need to take for Dan Evans to be the top Brit? Just because, like, he's there. Like, Draper has has fitness issues. Nori was absent for the back half of 23. And um, Murray's, he'll be lucky to finish top 50, honestly. He's just so limited with the hit now. Didn't um, John say that there was a positive uh, regression with um, Evans? The problem with Evan, with that is that while Dave gets ready to speak again, um, the problem I have with go ahead, Dave. Uh, no, I, I what I was gonna say is, uh, yeah, I think De- Evans is pretty live for sure. He had a pretty bad year last year, and he was pretty fadeable. But uh, listen, so was Cam Nori, and like yeah. Draper has obviously got the physical issues, and Murray is like uh, one leg off the tour. So yeah, I think Evans is pretty live. I yeah, I, to me, the problem with Evans is like it all depends on if he wants to be there, right? Like, there's definitely a, a fair number of matches you know he's just gonna throw in the towel in every year. There's probably you, five or six where, towel throws. Where are you? Where are you guys at with Cam Nori? Because I'm, I kind of like he's a I'm full like John talked about on our, on our podcast about FAA. Like, I, I have more belief in FAA than I, he talked about. FAA needs to show him. Like, Nori's a full show me man. Like this guy stinks 100%. right now. Hundred percent. He's. I think he's another guy. People have figured out how to play him, and he's just not a very good athlete. You know, like he has that loopy forehand, and he has, uh, you know, that flat backhand. But the thing which makes him is is rally tolerance, right? It's it's just like lung capacity and rally tolerance. And if that that's not working, and people are hitting through him, he's he's really really going to struggle. 
Like I remember Arnaldi at the US Open was like plus three hundred to beat him and like he yeah, won beat him straight sets like easily. So I I'm I in between on Nori because like I hope we on don't one hand he was absolutely terrible after the golden swing. Like he put up he actually had put up some points in the golden swing and then like he can't have gotten more than a thousand points after March. Um on the flip side like when you like he just to what Manny said before, like, like he when you watch him play, you're like, how does he win? Because he just he like he like he doesn't have anything special. Like, no, well that that was the thing about his like hot run to start off the year because he did up the winners, the amount of winners he was hitting because he doesn't hit yeah. winners. Like that's not part of his game. No, like, he it's doesn't like, hit winners. And so that's what was kind of feeling his like hot run was he really like was actually hitting winners during that run, but that. <laughs> dropped off but i'm a little bit I'm, I'm optimistic because i think the market is actually going to still be quite high on nori the fact that they have him uh, to be top 15 like as a question mark like i think he's going to be out of the top 30 if he doesn't like change something drastic so i think uh, we're going to get some like decent lines on nori matches like early in the year I the think we should use that as a, a year last year was for him. He was still top 20, but he still finished the year 19th somehow. And the answer is golden swing. But like some of these guys, like is it, it's a, another guy like that for me is Holger Rune. Like he somehow got top 10. Like despite having a terrible year, he somehow ended the top 10. Nori's like that, but a level lower. Like he's somehow still finishing the top 20 guys. Right. Well, yeah, he took down that 500 though, right? Rio, right? I think, I think Rio, Rio. he took down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I it just and, felt like And that... he was in another two fifty final that he lost to Gasquet. Oh, in Auckland. That's right. And, he and didn't he make a two fifty final in Golden Swing as well or two fifty final? He did. Didn't Buenos, he make another Well Buenos Aires and he lost to Alcaraz. Alcaraz, yeah. Yeah, so that's another hundred and fifty points. So like that that's your answer as to how he got there. Cause I think he only got like two thousand points total. Um yeah. like it, it's amazing, but like that's part of the thing, right? Like you don't really need to do all that much to get to the top twenty. Yeah. I, so so Jan Jan Leonard Struth, man. What was he? Like 21 or 22? 25, I think, but yeah. He didn't even play for like three months. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. And he wasn't even playing really on the pro tour for three months. Like he wasn't even he, like he basically he like he basically played on the pro tour for like three months and somehow got 25th. Well, Struth right. and Eubanks are my two biggest regression candidates in the top 50. I don't think there's any question. Like, can anyone disagree with that? No, the only the only thing I would say about Eubanks is I I do think that he is now in full like serve bot category and yep. botting can take you pretty far and I don't think he like he's not to the heights of Struff so I uh, Struff is just way up way too high he is not a top no, thirty player he's not and he has that Madrid final to to um, defend and that's well, that's the problem with Struff, right? If you look like all his points are like two or three tournaments, which is always scary. And it's always true for everybody to some extent, but like he's extreme. Well, again, he didn't even play like nine months of the year. So like, there's, there's also just going to be a lot of hardcore opportunity for Eubanks. Well, and he's another guy who anytime we talk about Americans, like there's a ton of American tournaments that have weak fields. Yeah. Dallas, Delray Beach, like you can you just go there and steal like five six hundred points, just like yeah, Fritz, he's Fritz will do better at Wimbledon next year, and it's just I don't know, I I don't think his style of botting is like great. Like he also won, he also won a grass tournament, right? Yeah, he won Mallorca. That's right, exactly. 
So he had an amazing year. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the top 75. Yeah. I don't I, I can't argue against it really, honestly. Yeah. I, I also agree, but I do think Eubanks is different than Struve. I think you uh, Eubanks is more of a chance to stay in than Struve. Struve I also is... think he cares a lot about uh broadcasting. I think he he wants to do what we're doing right now. So. I don't even know if that matters though, to be honest. Like he said he's just a he's a full serve bot. Like, does it really like does it really matter? Like, does he have to go on, do much besides practice his serve like an hour a day? Like <laughs> All right, we gotta talk and about his, ba- his backhand can land too. Like it, it he can land a backhand. I, so he lands it, but sometimes when I watch it, I'm like, how did he do that? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I know, I feel but like that, it was complete luck. That's the vibes of it. But he can, I mean, it's better than <laughs> I think it's better than people give credit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, aces. Um, anyone going with anyone besides her catch? I think there's an argument for a few guys. If you pull up the line, Manny, I think there's I think there's a discussion here. These are hard to find. It's like player specials. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. go. You found it. There we go. <clears throat> um, so is it like why is Opelka plus two seventy five? Is he even healthy? Like I know when he plays, he's by far the best server on tour. But like, is he realistically going to play forty matches? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's the thing, though. Is like Opelka is basically like Isner two and like Isner. Yeah like 30 matches is like you know Hubie like 50 matches in terms of bases <laughs> you know what I mean like they just hit so many like that's literally their style so I yeah. I was when I, I talked about this on our podcast like I, I don't know if he is healthy or if he's gonna play like but if I haven't Opelka seen does, anything on him have you have you guys seen any news on Opelka I've seen nothing I even tried to look I've I can't nothing. find anything he I've played the it. one he played one match this year on a challenger um, yeah but wow. if he, if I'm just saying, if he was to play for the entire year, he probably would be the ace leader. If he plays 50 matches, he's almost a lock. Yeah. The only guy who can challenge him if he plays 50 ma- if Opelka plays 50 matches, is Kyrgios if he plays 50 matches. Right. Because Kyrgios is in that same league. Um, and like looking at it, like. Man, 33 to one looks kind of appetizing there. Like I know he's not healthy, and like. I can't imagine he's actually gonna play fifty don't fall, matches. Don't fall into the trap. I, I think he might I, be good I, for his career. Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know that Nick Kyrgios is gonna play another tennis match. I agreed. If if I got plus one fifty on that, I'd take it. For him not he to does seem to be another. he does seem to be quite active on the social media. He's he doing OnlyFans like you know, talk shows. He, has he joined Tomich on OnlyFans? He's uh, he's signed a deal with OnlyFans. <laughs> Kevin Tomich, man, that's amazing. They they should do an OnlyFans like 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 a group thing, you know, two of them and some other people in there just just for the lulls. Like that's hilarious, that's hilarious. I, I personally, I can't go with anyone besides Hubie at plus one sixty five. I actually think that that's a decent number. On uh, a serious note, I actually think the other interesting number here is Fritz at twenty five to one. Yeah, uh, he Fritz was, was number two. Year. Yeah, he was five fifty. Really? Yeah, that's the only thing about this market too. Is like, what's crazy is like the first, second, and third. They're like hundreds of aces apart. Yeah. So this is something if you actually stumble upon the winner, like it's going to be sweat free probably for quite a right. bit of time. True. It's true. But Fritz, I mean, he was second last year. I think by a pretty good margin. Um, I mean, I'll probably, I'll, I'll, her catch hit like four hundred more, but. If something happens to Hubie, 
Fritz is like a nice combination. He's a, he doesn't like his serves, not the best, but he's going to play a ton of matches. Yeah, a lot he's going to play a lot of matches. Yeah. What? Yeah, he's going to play a lot of matches. You're right. Like, I took I don't know, man. last year and, like, and I thought he would play a lot of matches. He just lost in every first round match. So, <laughs> I, I mean, if you're way down on Fritz, and obviously you don't want to bet this because part of this yeah, is no, the guy winning enough no. matches to, to do decently well, but I yeah. think Fritz is an interesting. I think. On a serious note, I think he's the only other look here besides Hubie. Because everybody else is like, in my mind, you can almost... I mean, yeah. like one of these other guys might win, but I can't say it's better than any other any other guy on the board. Yeah, I, I'm not hitting it just because... Sheldon doesn't hit that many aces. He hits rocket serves, but his location's not right. that great, so he doesn't get that many aces. Yeah, I, I would hit Hubie, but um, I, I just don't want to lock my money up for 11 months with this market, so I'm not. But like, I, I think it's actually a decent price. Like... I really think it should be like plus 130, plus 140 for Hubie. But that's just me. Um, I mean, if he plays 60 matches, he probably gets it. It's just a matter of does he stay healthy. Right. You know, you mentioned locking the money up, and we talked about that on our podcast, because yeah. this is the longest season-long market, unless you bet, like, even the NFL, when it, I don't think that opens up until, like, March. And then it pays out, like, what, January? So I guess yeah, it's yeah. a similar time. Um, but <laughs> I remember I was thinking back to when like crypto went bust for a little bit. Yeah. It was like, man, if you just had your money in the sports book, you would have been fine. So like right. <laughs> there are worse, there are worse places to uh, tie your money up for a year. Uh, especially if you're going to hit like three or four, you're going to get a decent return on your investment. So it's not like the worst idea. I mean, it, obviously like, that's not like the best financial advice, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's, it's not the worst bet you can make, especially if you have some, some edge. And it also helps you recoup some, like if you have a bad fall or like, you know, it helps you recoup some units back at the end of the season. It does always feel good. Like I went way too, to your point, like last year I went way too heavy in the futures market and it was kind of cool. Cause like at the end of the year, like I, I, I actually ended up like maybe plus 5%. But like just the number of units that came back to my account because of all the stuff that was like held out in that in that market for a year was like kind of cool to see. <laughs> like I didn't realize when it was gonna pay out. And then I looked at my account one day and I had like, you know, 35, 40 more units, and I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's uh again, terrible financial advice, but like yeah, yeah. we're was, not a, you know. we're not a finance, we're no, no financial advisors. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, Zverev or Rune to be ranked higher? Zverev is minus 125 or Holger Rune is minus 110. Uh, I personally like Zverev there. How can I, you pick against Zverev here, given how, like, basically the first three to five months of last year were a complete throwaway while he was kind of getting back to, like, kind of fully regenerating? And he still beat Rune. I, I don't see how you can go against Zverev on this one. No, I, I, yeah, Zverev, I think that's actually a really great price. I mean, here's the thing. Zverev had that freak injury, um, but otherwise has been pretty durable. His diabetes has ticked up a bit, but that's, like, that's manageable on court, where Aruna is, like, someone who can literally miss for a long time because yep. his body is made of gingerbread. Well, and, and the problem is too, it's in individual <laughs> matches room's gonna give out. Like Zverev is one of the most fit guys on tour when he's when he when he when the diet you throw out three matches a year, like three tournaments a year, the diabetes is gonna hit him, it's gonna be a, he's just gonna lose. Like that that's gonna happen. But like that's way less matches than Rune is gonna lose because his body gives out in like the third set. Brad, you brought up um on the on our previous pod about the You're right, this is the problem. 
This is the problem. You know, like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very faces trial for that domestic assault case that he appealed the penalty order on. If he gets convicted, like, does he serve jail time? And if not, does he get suspended? It's not a fun thing to talk about, but I mean, that's why I'm not hitting this just because of that that fact. Like, we well, you plus two, like, it's out. a season long market, and you might get better odds on a head to head matchup throughout the year. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, you will for sure. And actually, with with both these guys, with both to your point, David, for both these guys, I'd way rather hit these guys on individual day things, given what we just said, than on anything season long, because you've got major question marks on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sinner or Medvedev, both minus one twenty. I mean, Med no has thanks. I have these guys dead even. Med has to have a, more of a regression to me than Sinner. Sinner obviously has the injury concern, but in terms of who's due for more regression, Daniil Medvedev. I mean, yeah, he was on fire to start well post AO, right? He mm-hmm. and then he kind of tailed off, and then he makes the who's to say he makes the U.S. Open final again? You know what I mean? Agreed. And I just I I told you what I why I don't like about Sinner the like, I'm not that impressed with Sinner second half run. I'm also like I have both these guys as as candidates. Well, that's exactly what DraftKings has it. They're both minus one twenty, and you're you're giving extra ten cents of juice too. So it, it's a no hit. Uh, I'm high. These are, high these are tough. Center. I would lean Sinner, but nah. uh, Sissy Pass or Rublev. They're both minus one twenty. I actually really like Rublev here. What what are your what would you expect of us uh, sissy pass this year? I I mean I, I listen we <laughs> sissy pass is like if you ask someone off the street if he had a bad well that uh, knows tennis it's like did he have a good or bad year last year he'd be like yeah, yeah he was pretty bad it was like well I finished six and he had fifty wins you know what I mean right. like his bad year is still pretty good yeah so I don't know I I, I I think that he plays a lot he plays a ton I think he's got potential to make the final of all the slams less grass he's not very good on grass but here's the thing about grass too it's like he doesn't really like he gets i feel like he gets so burned out playing it so much throughout like the first part of the year that grass season he just kind of takes off but if he was like committed to playing on grass i think he could be okay on it um, well this year he had the love story with paula badosa so it's like yeah that seems more like solidified like there's not like young love like that, that like he can kind of probably manage but that it a also bit seems like he's not prioritizing tennis because he knows that there's such a steep mountain to climb with the top four guys where he's like clearly behind them and i feel like that's deflated him a little bit in terms of his tennis um, maybe i he only made three finals last year i think he'll probably make five finals this year if I had to guess. I would I take know. the under on that personally. And I, I don't think he's going to make Australian Open final again. That's for sure. No, but the, the only two he made was the one he won in Los Cabos. Right. And then I forget what the other one was. But um, I don't yeah. know. I, I still this think is... as, as much as I think he stinks, I also think he's good. <laughs> <laughs> There's also I think, something we have to mention here when it comes to Sitsipas. Like, <laughs> To your point, David, like you just mentioned Los Cabos and Mallorca. And like he played Mallorca last year. Like he plays some weak tournaments. It feels like yeah. Rublev picks like the strongest tournament every week to go to. Like he plays a ton, but it feels like he plays like the strongest schedule he possibly can pretty much. Sissipas just went to Los Cabos just to have a vacation with Bedosa, and the field was so weak and he played Demonor in the final that he ended up taking a trophy home. Like, let's That's be fine. He gets points for that though, man. He like all the like points are points. 
Well, if the love is not young, he might not go to Cabos again. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he usually does that. He usually does the same thing Rublev does and just goes to the strongest event. I, I, I just like he's a guy like I got to see you hit a backhand and return some serves before I can back you again. And I, I, I know he had a decent year, but like he couldn't re- return Sophia Kennan serve in that exhibition the other day. I don't know if you saw that, but <laughs> no, but I'm not taking too much away from what's happening. now. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing, Manny. This is like, this is not the part of the year that I, I think this is when I take a nap, like wake me up when the matches count. Uh, I, they, he was probably pre-gaming for 50 cent before that um, <laughs> but we got to comment on how good Rublev has been I mean I I don't know I think he really solidified being the top, the fifth best player in the world at the end of the year no like, you're right he had a great year and what's frustrating is I kept picking him week after week on our podcast like right after yeah. the Australian Open and he kept getting like <laughs> kept losing yeah <laughs> and then he finally broke through with Monte Carlo um, and then he had a pretty good year, uh, after that as well. He, he, that was kind of like the, the kindling for a, a pretty, pretty good run. I just, uh, Rublev is really good. His backhand has improved a ton. Uh, talking he's gotten a lot better at tennis. Like we, we kind of like, and, and he's, and he seems like he's gotten like more athletic, like a little more athletic. He's playing a little smarter tactically. Like it just seems like he's gotten like, he, he seems like he's gotten better. He's also a guy who like. There are zero motivation concerns ever with Rublev. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, to your point, Manny, about, you know, Sitsipas and his love story and the whole Bedosa, whatever thing, like Rublev yeah. is just a tennis dude, man. Like yep. that guy lives, eats, and breeds tennis. 100%. And, you know, that. 100%. that's always, you know, if you're betting on Rublev, that's always something you can kind of take to the bank. It's like, you know. Yeah, you know, he's pretty mentally neutral. Well, he's not mentally neutral because he does like kind of spaz out, but he's neutral in terms of like his dedication to his craft. Well, we take a lot of stock into guys who are just there, right? Who can withstand an entire season. And I think there's a, a short. But Rublev's better than just there. I agree. But like Rublev, Kochanov, Medvedev, uh, Demonor, like these are guys that are just able to withstand a season. Right, whatever it takes, right, and they're just always there. And those are guys that I want to back in a in a in a futures market more than anything else, you know. Um, that's fair. And that list is very short. There might be like three or four more guys, and that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit Demonor here, or not Demonor. I'm gonna hit Demonor Rublev. Um, Rublev. Yeah. 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 I, I actually this is this is one I actually like. It's probably the only one of the. I, I agree with David's comment. This these are tough. But this is the one I actually like. I like Rublev here. I just think there's Great. like, if you're talking about season long ranking points, Rublev seems like a good guy to just rack those up slowly over time. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, before we have to go, let's quickly touch on these um, um, United Cup lines. Um, there are a couple. Well, I, we, no, oh. before I was going to say, let's we quick segue um, because we were talking about Nori and the Nori Demon one is, is a good one to kick it off with, I think. Uh, is there one on DraftKings? No, the you're yeah, you're United Cup. Oh, United Cup. Oh, okay. Yep, Nori and Demonor. Um, so Nori is plus one thirty four on the money line, and Demonor is minus one seventy five. Um, I don't see any game spreads, but that 
what what does that usually equate to? Like a two game favorite? Probably one and a half, two, something like that. That's what I would think. Yeah. I will take Demonor there. I was like, I don't, I don't love heavy minus one seventy five favorites. Usually, like minus one seventy is my like cutoff to like bet a favorite. But yeah, I, I mean, what that, especially it's in Australia, right? I mean, yeah, in Australia, yep. What 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 has Nori done for me to bet him at plus one thirty four in this matchup? Nothing. Like, I, if anything, I feel like Demon should be over minus 200. Agreed. I guess the only thing I would say to, to counter that, I don't know that it's actually valuable, but like style matchup wise, uh, Demon or is not blowing Nori off the court. It is a match. And Nori's yeah. not blowing, D- blowing Demon or off the court either, but that, like, the fact these guys have kind of similar styles makes me think maybe this is a little, a little more even just because of that. That's fair. Um, but as we I, said, Nori doesn't hit winners. And if he doesn't hit winners, how is he? But doesn't either. Right. I guess I just think the demon is just a, he's a lot more accurate. Like he, he can withstand rallies a lot more than Nori. Like Nor, Nori is sales his forehand. Like it, it yeah. is not reliable. I mean, maybe it bounces back here at the start of this season. But well, but that that's but when he was playing well, it was okay, right? Like that's like it was good, it was better. That's that was like that's the problem, right? Is like he needs that. Like if he's hitting it well, he's got a chance. If he's not, yeah, he's in trouble in general. Not even just this match, but just in general. So the last know. they played was in Toronto this year, and Demonor won seven five six four in the first round. And those yeah, would be much more friendly or close courts for Nori. Those Toronto. Nori courts. got him at last year's United Cup. It, it, it's two one. Demonor is the head to head here, but Nori got him at last United Cup. I don't think that's particularly meaningful, but it's kind of an interesting side note. No, one is going one direction and one is going the other direction. But that might be the reason why this line is the way it is. But I, I agree with you, Dave. I'm going to I'm going to be all over that. I'm probably going to lay the games, to be honest, because I think they're going to be quite a few breaks. So I don't mind laying games in this in this matchup. I won't be touching. I, I can make like I, I hate these. I hate playing these early season matchups when you just don't know where guys are at. Um, and like where their where their mind is at, where their body's at, what the what their purpose of playing this match is. I, I've got like yeah, I, I can make a I can make a kind of a case for Nori, just that it can be even at least in like a, a variance case. I, I'm not touching it. How about Greek Spore and Casper Rude? I I no, like Greek Spore there at plus one sixty five. Oh. Dude, Greek Spore is like maybe the most underrated player on this tour in terms of the market. Like. <laughs> I, we were before we hopped on. I was talking about betting him at the City Open in Vegas in DC. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? Just why? Why was he plus two hundred against Fritz? Now he's plus one sixty five on a hard court against Rude. Like on a quick. And this is gonna be court? a quicker hard court. I'm imagining yeah. this is an Australian, yeah. it's an Australian hard court, so it should be a quicker hard court too, right? What have we seen from Rude for him to be minus two twenty two on a, a quick hard court? He right did make now? the U.S. Open final eighteen months ago. But those aren't. I'm, I mean, I'm joking. Like, that, that, was, that was a joke. But I like how much you jumped on that there, Dave. That was good. Maybe do that to me sometimes too. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I know. I, I, yeah, it's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, yeah. I, I mean, if I, if I'm just betting money line again, Agreed. I was t- talking. We were talking before uh, we got on here about how I was in Vegas and 
there's no you can't bet games at, at books in Vegas a lot of times and and when you're just pressed to the money line it kind of makes you like really examine who who you want to back because where is that value and, and and we're in that situation here with no games line it's like plus 165 on the money line for Greek sports like that's an easy click for me that, that is so I, I I told Manny I was had no interest in this I wasn't gonna bet it I'm glad Manny showed me the lines because I think I think you have to hit Greek sport at 165. Family play. Let's go. Like it's too, like it's too good, right? Like 165 against Root on a hard court, getting 100%. plus 165 with a solid player. That's a great line. To me, that's just yeah. too good. Like I hope this line doesn't move because as soon as it's out on the the uh books that we bet on, I'm I'm hammering that if I get that price. Like, shouldn't he be like plus 125 Greek Spore? I think it should be I uh, mean, I think you can make an argument that Greek Spore could be favored. Or, I get why who's the favorite, I'm not saying, but I'm saying I could make a case for Greek Spore being a favorite here. Plus one hundred on a hardcore? That's where I would put it. Yeah. But, uh how about this match? Uh Yuri Lechka and, and Zhijian Zhang. That's a very interesting match. Um Lechka is minus one sixty four and Zhang is plus one twenty four. I think you gotta go with Zhang there at plus one twenty four. I don't know. I, I like Zhang as a much higher favorite. Um, I did bet Laheshka in this setup last year against Fritz. That was like my first bet of 2023. 20, okay. um, he did not come through for me, <laughs> but he's obviously someone who I like. That's uh, why I brought that up. But Lechka um, had a, such a bad end of the year. Um, and like it just seemed like every time he would face some adversity, he'd always fall flat on his face. Like he just wouldn't find his way out of it, and I kind of felt the opposite of. Didn't he get hurt? Didn't was it was it Lechka that got no? Was was it Lechka that got hurt at the end of that? Like hurt his foot or something in Winston Salem? Yeah, that 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 could be, but he still played the rest of the year. He didn't take any time off. Ah, uh, yeah, but I mean, he a lot played of pretty well. Played, hurt, he played right? pretty like, well. Davis. played with a broken foot for three months. He played right? Davis like, Cup. He played really well in Davis Cup. So it's like he showed some signs of promise. It's just I think mentally he just kind of faltered. Um, but I, Zhang, I don't, I'm, like, I'm not hitting this. This Zhang is a this looks uh, like a pure stay away to me. Right, we love Zhang as a dog or pass guy. Yeah, but plus one twenty four is not like I mean it's a dog, but it's a short dog. Yeah, and this is an uh, I think I have to pass at these prices. Okay, I I mean I I would like to play. I like Zhang as a dog. It's just he's not a big enough dog for me here. Yeah. All right, and then the first match of the year that we're getting uh, next Thursday, I guess this is where we'll end out, end off, is uh, Fokina and Seaboth Wild. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Fokina? Like what we were discussing on our last pod, um, will he win an ATP tournament this year? Would you? Have I, to I think yes or no. I think Fokina is one of the best players on this tour. He's one of the most mentally weak, though. So that's his yeah. ultimate detriment. His like his his game is really awesome. It is. <laughs> um, just can't put it together mentally, man. I know this. This one is interesting to me because yeah, I I feel like plus one sixty seven is a little telling. Like the dog might be live in this <laughs> because is. is this also where we can read the line and say like I I don't really subscribe to this very often, but like one sixty seven just feels like it's way like. If you just took, if you just put these two players on a hard court, right? I feel like Fokina should be a way bigger favorite just on pedigree. Correct. But this is like this this line almost like it's almost one of those where it's like too good to be true, and it might be too true. It might be like false because it's too good to be true. Exactly. Um. I mean, 
Hokina is not the best on a quick hard court, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But it's wild. But, like this to me looks like a pure stay away too. Again, it's like a yeah. first match of the year. Like, Oh, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to take the Seaboth wild to win a set and demon or uh parlay. That's there you go. Gonna, that's how I'm going to play demon or money line. That's how I'm going to play the first, uh, first day. I will say Fokina is the best live bet guy ever. Like that, that is that yeah. has to be one of like my best prints of like of 2023. It's just like anytime there's a, a break in a Fokina match, one way or the other, you just bet the re break, especially if Fokina breaks. Like the next game, you get three to one pretty much like for a break back, and it's like a guarantee, especially if it's Happens like the business so set. Just keep tabs on that because like that's one of the best live bets all like we've had all year. It, it's hit so many times, I would say like 10, 11 times. It feels like it's a true 50 50. Yep. And you get like three, three to one, one on it. It's amazing. Yeah. Especially when, as as you said, especially when Fokina breaks, he gets broken back so often because he just relaxes mentally that little bit. And when he does that, he just completely falls off the rails. The opposite can happen too. When he goes down a break, he suddenly like gets serious and like realizes that he has to play well and then he breaks back. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right, boys. Unfortunately, I, I kind of have to go here. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I think I think we're done here. I don't think there's too much done. else going on. This is usually when Manny and I get into like some psychedelic rants about who knows what. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. We much appreciate it, and uh, all all the best uh, to you and your family. I know. Thank you guys so much. It was uh, a pleasure coming on. I look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Dave. See ya. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts? That was great to have Dave on. Yeah, honestly, I think we were we were we were we basically were done. That was a pretty uh, yeah. That, that that was the end of uh end of any tennis season. Well, yeah. yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much else to talk about. But if there's any more interesting lines that come up, that we want to bet. We'll definitely post them. Um, but otherwise, it was a fun yeah. preseason, and we'll be back uh, next week for week one. Absolutely, can't wait! Can't wait for these matches to start. What Thursday night? For United Cup, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, you, even you though know. when I'm betting, it's just like uh, so. So in terms of bets, I mean, the only match I'm betting is going to be that uh, that Greeks poor the Greeks poor Rude. That's the only line I really like. I don't know, Manny Laney. You are you actually going to bet those couple you were talking about? Probably, probably. I just I'm just so excited. I just can't help myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And as far as like the preseason lines, I'm probably just going to hit the Shelton plus three fifty to be top American. Uh, yeah, it's tough for me to find a whole lot else. I, I tend the, to agree. It's, it's the tough. Rublev over over Sissipas, the minus one twenty. Yeah, those those are those are my hits. The Rublev over Sissipas. Um, I think I'm going to bet both the Shelton and the Fritz as top American. Yeah, and I might sprinkle on, and it might be a true sprinkle, like a half unit or something on Fritz to to win the ace title. I do think there's a, a path there. Twenty five hundred. Okay, I'm not hitting. It, it's it's not that I think he's gonna do it. It's just a pure price play. It's like you're gonna probably Hubie gets hurt. Yeah, Bet Rivers actually had some really interesting lines. I uh, and Match Point Nine. They and uh, John talked about it. So you know, uh, definitely take a look at that podcast if you want some info on that. I I tend to agree with a lot of things they talked about there. Um, but uh, yeah, we're not gonna touch on it here because they did. So yeah. Yeah, we, we don't need to do a copy, copy, copycast. No, definitely no copycats. It's just growing the space. But uh, all, right. all right, guys, we're getting to that that point. We're dribbling on. So uh, have are. a good night, everyone. And uh, thanks so much for listening, as always. So much.